Hi, this is Russ Streiner. Uh, I played the character of Johnny in Night of the Living Dead, the 1968 version. Um, I don't know why you're listening to Throbbing with Horror, but that, that's your business. Fiends and Horror Hounds, this is Brett from Dimension Z, joined as I am every week by Greg of the Dead. How you doing, man? Doing good. How you doing? Not bad. Happy Throbtober. Dude, we got a good one for Throbtober. Do you know how many boxes we check with this movie? It's kind of insane. Oh yeah, we got several here. We got Romero, we got Savini, we have Stephen King, uh, Bar Adrian Barbeau shows up in it. Halloween anthology, like it's uh, took so many boxes. Oh yeah, and it's uh, and last year I think we ended up doing like two anthologies during um October, so it kind of seems fitting to do this one. And the, if you think about it, Creep Show is the like biggest one that everyone talks about. It's probably like the most well known of these kind of movies. Oh, for sure. To the point where all horror anthologies that come after are kind of compared to Creepshow. Oh, definitely. And the, most of the, and with any of these anthologies, there's one or two of the stories that you can gotta be like, eh, well, I can, you know, give or take it. This one, luckily, for the most part, is solid. I'm interested as we go through this to hear, like, what you like best and, like, comparisons and everything between the stories. Oh, yeah. I want to, like, at the end, do, like, our favorite and least favorite. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. Well, yeah, so Creepshow from 1982, written by Stephen King and directed by George Romero. What a combination. Yeah, and just, like, the fact that it's, like, the dream team of, like, 80s horror right there. It's, like, Romero at his best, Stephen King at his most coked out. Like, Savini's, like, uh, running on all cylinders with his effects. Yeah, like, it's such a great crew and combination, a mix of everything on this. So... Do you like Creepshow in general? Like, have you kept up with the franchise? Like, I know they have the show on Shudder and everything. Do you still follow it? Um, I like Creepshow 1 and 2. Uh, 3 I've never watched because I've heard that it's actually not an official sequel. It's just like how they did Troll and then Troll 2 kind of, kind of okay, thing. Okay, so like Cruel Jaws. Exactly. And the TV show I've not watched every single episode of the new stuff, but like, I remember the first episode I loved a lot because it's like the beer that like makes the guy like a slug basically. And then there was a, the one episode in season two where Ted Raimi's in it. And it's basically like a short little evil dead vignette kind of thing. Oh, cool. I've caught bits of the show. I keep meaning to sit down and watch it. Problem is, I always kind of lean more towards movies than shows. I have to be in a certain mood to watch a series, you know? Yeah, and especially to do an anthology kind of thing, of you have to be a, even in a more specific mood. Because if you're not in the right mood for these things, they can definitely, like, wear on you. Yeah, on the bright side, it's kind of, you can go right in, right out, and not have to worry about cliffhangers and stuff like that. Right. But I am glad that it got brought back and is actually, like, doing well. Oh, yeah, definitely. But here we go. So we kick it off with a dad played by none other than Tom Atkins. <laughs> yeah, and uh, we get the outside of the creep show house that is in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Yes, it is. Oh, also returning to Throbtober, Tom Atkins. Oh, yes. Another mustacheless uh, Tom Atkins. 
Yeah, I think I've discussed my thoughts on this. There's a, there's two tiers of Tom. There's mustache and unmustache. When he doesn't have the mustache, it's just not quite right for me. But he does, luckily, in this movie, and like he does in every movie, he's drinking beer. Tom Atkins is like the biggest like beer fan. He's definitely from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. <laughs> oh, definitely. Didn't this come out the same year as Halloween 3? Uh, no, 82, I'm not sure. Yeah, 1982. So Tom Atkins was ruling it this year. Yeah. He had Season of the Witch and this, and we covered both of them this month. That's a fuck of a year for Tom Atkins. Yeah, but we have him yelling at his son for reading horror comics, and they are very much EC comics, just not officially. Yeah, I love that it's like, how dare you be reading this filth? And he's like basically beating him over this comic book. <laughs> and it is Halloween during this part, not throughout the movie or anything, just the begin the bookends. It's Halloween time. That's just fun. It doesn't have to do with anything. Yeah, just the little fact that you see the pumpkin in the window. It's nice. Yeah. The sun goes up to his room. I wanted to point out the nice Dracula poster. Oh, yes, this is definitely like a young Brett's room. <laughs> and the creep appears at the window, and then we get our animated opening credits, which I love. Oh, yeah, and I love the creep. And the fact that, like, they brought, of course, they had to bring them back for the show. And, like, I love the new version of them that they kind of did. Yeah, so here's my thing about this one. I wish they'd tie them together more. Not like Trick or Treat, where they're all interwoven stories, but I just mean even have, like, a little bit like i hate to say even like how veronica as the girl in between the stories like i wish they'd do something with the creep in between more you know what i mean yeah i always remembered there being more of the creep not just like at the very beginning basically like i get it mixed up with tales from the crypt all the time which is very similar that's probably what it is yeah probably then we get to our first story, which is Father's Day, and it's great. We have this rich, stuffy family, and their great Aunt Belinda is coming in for dinner today. It's Father's Day. This is a classic one, especially around Father's Day. This, like, I love every time is a, where's my cake, Belinda? And it's all, like, the memes and the <laughs> gifts and stuff of, like, the dead father, like... It's just one of those little things, and I also love that it is a Father's Day thing, because there's so much of the other holidays and whatnot. So at least there's, like, something special like that that you can share around that time. Yeah, it's really fun. I think this is the one that works best as an anthology. Not saying it's the best one in here, but this is the one that, like, if you tried to stretch this into a feature... It wouldn't be great, but it's just perfect enough for this bite size, you know what I mean? And there's actually, like, a full kind of, like, beginning, middle, and end to this first one, at least. Yeah, so their aunt's coming in, and this backstory on this Aunt Belinda is her father killed her husband. We get a quick little flashback of them hunting, and he shoots him, and then she killed the father back. That's pretty much the short of it. Yeah, and, ba and the father is just, like, this extremely rich, like, old man. It's like Mr. Burns from The Simpsons. And he's just, like, super annoying. Of He's just constantly yelling. He's banging his cane on his, like, wheelchair. Oh, he seems like the worst. Like, you wouldn't be able to put up with this man. Where's my cake? Where's my cake, <laughs> Belinda, you bitch? <laughs> she returns every father's day and they have this dinner she gets there and she arrives at the grave and we get the flashbacks of where's my cake because he's banging his cane on his chair arms and everything yeah i love she like wanders down there with like a bottle of jim beam 
that's already like oh, yeah. three quarters of the way gone. <laughs> I was surprised we got the brand in it. Actually, I expected it to be non-con copyright infringing whiskey. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's just it's a white bottle that says whiskey on it. I also like she's smoking like black and milds on the way there too, because it's one of those cigars with like the wood tips. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> She she's very much fits a certain stereotype. She does it well. Yeah. But she's drinking by the grave, and it's revealed that her sister helped cover it up, and she killed her dad with an ashtray when he was freaking out about her, his cake too much and calling her a bitch and everything. And then we get the hand pop out of the grave and the dead father crawl out. And this kicks in so fast because it's an anthology. It's like, oh, we're here already. He goes, where's my cake, Belinda? <laughs> and I love the comic book, like, art style that goes behind it, where it's like the big, like, wow, pop bubble kind of thing. And all, like, the vibrant colors. Like, it's it feels like a comic book watching this. Yeah, and it works really well. I can only think of one other movie that tried to make, not a comic book movie, that's been a thousand times, but like make it seem like a comic book, and I hated it. It was the 2000s Hulk movie, not the Incredible oh. Hulk, the one before it. And they do this thing where someone's about to blow up, and it'll like cut to like a panel and go to the next page, and I hated it. I'm surprised I like it so much in Creepshow. Yeah, that doesn't sound great. I just love, like, I think it fits in too, because the stories are so cheesy, that it's just this over-the-top atmosphere yeah it does line up with the tone of the movie but he strangles her and after that we cut to the family inside waiting on her to show up for dinner and the son goes out or he's the son or son-in-law i don't know i think he's the son-in-law because they're almost treating him like he's a new member that's right yeah he goes out for a smoke and he wanders over to the cemetery he looks for belinda he finds the bottle, but then falls into a now unearthed grave, which the dad was in, and turns to his left and sees the dead uh, Belinda. Wait, Bedelia. I keep saying Belinda. Bedelia. <laughs> yeah. And the, at this point, like, the gravestone keeps, like, inching further and further, like, forward of it's, like, falling into the grave. And he never moves. Yeah, that's what I was like. I'm like, it, he didn't come down with a thud, you know what I mean? Like, where you're can tell he's injured or anything he kind of just tripped and whoops into the grave roll out of the way dude like i can see like taking a second of like okay make sure i'm ready to like spring into action and jump out of here because you don't want to disturb it and like have it fall on you when you're halfway out but don't also don't just sit there and there's an easy ride around they could have did they could have just made him like he's a little tipsy you know what i mean before like showed him drinking a lot inside and that would have been oh okay i get it like He's kind of disoriented and everything after the fall. I would have taken that, you know? Yeah, he was about to drink the Jim Beam, but he didn't even get to drink it. He fell before he did. Yeah, that would have been a real easy ride around, but I don't think they're concerned about his spring into action no. time. <laughs> but the zombie dad pulls the tombstone onto him, like, all psychically? Yeah, kind of because, like, he sees him, and he's just standing there, and then he does, he, like, looks up, and then the tombstone falls on him. So, either it's amazing timing, or, like you said, he has, like, force powers. Yeah, exactly. It made it seem like force powers to me. Uh, Sylvia goes out to look for him now, and as she's, like, in the hallway, Sylvia's the mother, she sees the maid is gone. She's like, what the hell? And she sees muddy footprints going into a room. And a maid's body falls from the freezer. You know, that famous Friday the 13th yeah. timing. And zombie dad next snaps Sylvia. Right, and I believe she becomes the cake, right? Yes. 
Because I love it where it's next is like the two other ones that are left, like go wondering and Scooby doing their way into like the kitchen. And I love they walk into the kitchen. They're like, why are we trying to save power? Because all the lights are off. And then goes like sees the muddy footprints going into the kitchen, opens the door and there's zombie dad with the tray with the head on it, with frosting on the head and candles. Like, I got my cake. Happy Father's Day. I just like that this zombie took the time to prepare a nice head cake, frosted the head, lit the candles. You know, I want to see that scene. Or like the like uh, two people walk into the kitchen and he's not ready yet. He's like, come back in 30 seconds. <laughs> That's the end of our first story. And the way the end is like I, after the cake, everyone screams, freeze frames, goes animated. Pulls out, comes back in on another title, which is The Lonesome Death of Jordy Verrill. I enjoy how they do it, of they, like, zoom out, it becomes, like, they cartoonize, and it does, like, the word bubble of the last thing they said. Then it'll flip through, like, a couple ads real quick of, like, do you want a voodoo doll? Like, we got x-ray goggles, it's, like, the classic comic book ads. And then it goes yeah. into what is probably my favorite um, story in this thing, The Lonesome Death of Jordy Ver. Veril? Veril? I don't know. Yeah, but it's the fucking Stephen King redneck plant segment that is, I love it. I'm so glad you like it, because I hear so many people say that they hate this one. I love it. I think it's genius. Oh, well, it's not genius. It's pretty simple, but it's so fun. And this is, like, coked up, like, height of, like, Stephen King is on a next level at this moment, like, in time. Like, I think he did Maximum Overdrive at the same time time period that makes sense and you know what i love that he's acting in it too and he's doing it so cartoonishly and over the top like it's not one that his acting seems out of place or anything because it's one anyone could knock out and it's great oh it's it feels so fitting and also like his uh rationale throughout the entire thing it's like yeah this is what this redneck would think yeah, it's really fun. I love the, well, we'll get to it, but yeah. like the little head, like, fantasies that they keep cutting <laughs> yes. to. But a meteor crashes right at Jordy's farm. And he looks and goes, well, I'll be dipped in shit if that ain't a meteor. <laughs> and he, like, runs over to it all, like, <laughs> like, doing the leg thing, basically. He's in, like, <laughs> overalls that are, like, extremely dirty. His hair's fucked up. And it is, it's like, holy jeez, how a meteor? And then he has to, like, he touches it, of course, immediately, and then immediately puts his fingers in his mouth. It's like, that's a great thing yeah. to do. To taste the thing from space. I won't lie, I used to have a real bad habit of that. Anytime, like, my hand would hurt, I would have to put it in my mouth. Yeah. I kind of broke myself out of it since I started working with, like, dirty metal and stuff, but I used to do that constantly. Yeah, and, and this is the war, and the worst thing to do would be, it's from space. It, at the very moment, like, it could be, like, there could be radiation on it. That he oh, already sure. he's already talking about here in a minute the, of the uh, asteroid shit. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he touches it, burns his fingers, and then he he fantasizes about selling it. I'll take no less than two hundred dollars. That's his big payout. If you remember, we had another movie where this happened very similarly. Killer clowns from outer space, right? And the meteor hits, and another 
old redneck farmer character got excited talking to his dog. Like, oh, come on, Pooh Bear. We're going to be millionaires. <laughs> yeah. The difference between $200 and a million somewhere in there is what you can get for a meteor, according to 80s horror movies. And, and it's just like he had, he's like, uh, the, he goes in at first, the guy was like $50. And at first I was like, oh, is this his fantasy that he's going to make $50? He's like, no, I'm not going to be outsmarted. 200 <laughs> <laughs> not a dime less than 200 yeah and then he's like counting out the money out of like the money box and he keeps going like yeah that's right keep counting keep it coming keep it coming <laughs> i love that in his head what you do if you find a meteor is you go to a university and you sell it to a professor who just like pays cash out there like he's a pawn shop like holy shit a meteor this never happens like here's a thousand dollars like you know how many of these things they probably have it's like the first time i found a fossil when i was like chipping away at a rock and this is tiny little like sea creature thing and i'm like oh my god mom like look she's like oh that's cool it's like oh should we take it to the museum and she's like no they have a lot of those I don't know. I think meteor strikes and fossils are still pretty valuable, to be honest. I don't think meteor strikes are nearly that common. Most of them burn up as they enter our atmosphere. Yeah. He goes to get some water to cool it off, because remember, he burned his hands on it. And it shows that his fingers are already all blistered. He dumps the water on it, and it just breaks in half. Yeah, and then he fantasizes about, like, he takes it in, and he's ashamed of the meteor. And, like, this big scientist man, like, yells at him, like, Huh, I wouldn't give you two cents for a broken meteor. He's like, oh, (laughs) shit, Leslie, that's that's our family's curse. We only have bad luck. I love, like... The embarrassed, shameful face on Stephen King as this guy's yelling at him. He takes his hat off and like covers up the meteor at one point. (laughs) And he picks up the meteor that's now cooled off and dumps the goo out of it. And he goes inside for the night and is watching some old WWF. Do you know anybody who was wrestling in this moment, Brett? I saw that it was wrestling, but I didn't know who it was. The Wild Samoans were having a tag match. Oh, nice. I did. I like this television. Yeah, I bet. Old, very old school. He keeps, like, fucking around with his fingers and, like, chewing on them. And he kind of looks at them, and there's, like, moss on his fingertips. Yeah, they got all green and fuzzy. I'm surprised they didn't make, like, a masturbation joke or something in here. I thought they were going to. Yeah. I swear to God, like, because he has hairy palms. Exactly. Like, oh, that's, gonna, that's what he's going to say. Oh, no, I shouldn't have, you know, something like that. Like, I didn't think he'd even connect it. Well, I'm sure to have been playing with that weasel. <laughs> but then he has the fantasy about the doctor, and it cuts to, <laughs> oh, we're going to have to amputate it. I love he opens the doctor's, like, office door, and the doctor just goes, like, scooting by on his, like, wheelie chair with a gigantic needle. And he's just almost like, hey, 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 hey. He's the most scary, evil-looking doctor in this in the world. It's the same guy too. I gotta point that out. Yes, and he like gets it. He's like look to takes two seconds to look at his fingers. They're like, oh no, they need to come off. He he grabs like a, a meat cleaver. Yeah. <laughs> He realizes he's been sucking on his fingers once he snaps back to reality, and then he goes, oh no, goes to the bathroom, and his tongue is starting to turn green. We get a time card later, and the green fuzz is spreading outside and on Jordy. And I love, this is where he goes outside, and he's like, no, 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 (laughs) no! 
He's just, if I don't believe it, it's not real. He goes and has a, what is it, a white Russian vodka oh, and milk? No, he goes and he makes, um, it looks like a vodka OJ, uh, well, a screwdriver. Oh, I thought it was milk. Okay. No, milk comes later for some reason. Okay. Um, he's drinking Popov vodka, which is like one step above Vladimir. Yeah, I mean, we've all been there. We've yeah. all had to get the bottom shelf quite a bit. I mean, he just, like, dumps the entire bottle in with his, like, orange juice, uses the bottle and mixer around and starts chugging it. He's like, yeah, that's better. <laughs> the house yard are all full-on alien force now. They're all covered in this green moss. And he even has a green beard, which I love. <laughs> he pours the bath and undresses and goes, oh, no. Not there. <laughs> yeah, he's like got the like uh, gra- green grass stuffs like going down his chest. Then they, I love that line. And then he's like turns the bath on, and his father shows up in the mirror, and he's like, "Paul, you died three years ago." He's like, "Don't you dare get in that bathtub because if you do, it's going to kill you, you dumbass." <laughs> Honestly, what what you think it's doing here is like the alien plant is like, "No, don't get in the bathtub. Like maybe it'll kill it." So they're making him see that. That's where I thought. Yeah, that's the only... Because I don't know why, then... Why does Ghost Dad show up in this to, like, warn him about the alien plant? I guess it was legit, and Jordy's just an idiot and didn't listen. Yeah, maybe. Or he's just like, no, it'll feel good. I'll need a bath. It's like, it looks like you haven't taken a bath in a while. Why do you all of a sudden want one so bad? (laughs) The next morning he wakes up, and he's a full-on plant man. He's straight-up swamp thing here. Yeah, and this is like, it goes from really funny and comical to dark really quick as he grabs the shotgun and is like, please God, let me be lucky this one time and like, be able to shoot myself in the head right. Yeah, and he does, which is a shitty thing to finally get right. And he dies, and we cut, we see the plants have overtaken everything. We get a radio broadcast that's the whole way across the county. Well, we see it go to like the county line sign and everything, so it's going to overtake Earth. This was uh, based on a Stephen King short story uh, called The Weeds or something like that. See, I like this one quite a bit because you also see um, uh, there's like all the road signs and one of them's going to Castle Rock, which is a Stephen King thing. Yep, definitely. And then next we get the one that I have the most mixed feelings on and that's something to tide you over. Yeah, this is probably my least favorite one. It's not bad. It's You know what? It's got some great actors in it. Yeah. But the thing is, it doesn't feel horror at all it feels daytime soap opera like that you'd see in a hospital waiting room at the doctor's office yeah it's got leslie nielsen like ted danson is in this i love cheers you know but it makes no sense like why is leslie nielsen evil and killing ted danson and his girlfriend like what's his motivation to like make these like bury them and drown them why does he love televisions ted danson's girlfriend is leslie nielsen's wife oh i didn't know that yeah, that's his wife is cheating on him with Ted Danson. That's I, the whole motivation behind all this. I didn't catch that at all. <laughs> oh, yeah, they make it very clear. They're like, she is mine. We were going to tell you, oh, too late for that. Like, he gets real possessive of his wife and everything. Yeah, that's his wife. Okay, and so. She started hanging out with Ted Danson and they're getting together. And they're planning to leave him. Leslie Nielsen's being cheated on and he's the bad guy in the story. Yeah, but honestly, after seeing this, he seems like he is a bad guy. I'd probably cheat on him, too. Yeah, well, it's also, like, you got suave Ted dancing. He has his own bar. You got gray-haired uh, Leslie Nielsen. 
Dude, I never realized how much older Leslie Nielsen was than Ted Danson. For some reason in my mind, I always put them about the same age. But Leslie Nielsen has also looked the same age since he was like 20. Yeah, he looks the same in Airplane that he does in like Scary Movie 4. Yeah, exactly. So I can never get a good read on him. But Harry wakes up, Harry's Ted Danson, to Richard beating at the door and... Ted, no, yeah. Leslie Nielsen's wife is leaving him for Harry, and he plays a tape recorder of Rebecca begging for help. Harry's gonna beat him up, like, oh, if you do anything to me, you won't find out where she is, all this stuff, and that's our setup for the whole thing. Am I getting it right? Yeah. And what is it, by 11 a.m., her time will be out. And then they just take a friendly Jeep ride together by the shore. And Leslie Nielsen's being way too, like, oh, everything's okay to trust. Yeah, he's, like, very, like, seems proud of himself almost, of, like, he has this big plan and it's working. Yeah, it's very odd. He takes him to the beach, a, his own private beach, mind you. And he points out a shovel and says, Rebecca's buried there. He goes there, it's an empty hole, and Richard pulls the gun on him, jump into that hole, buries him up to his head, and wakes up next to a crab in his face, and <laughs> our explanation. Yeah, I love when he wakes back up, and there's the crab there, and he's like doing the like, <sighs> like blowing at it thing, trying to get it away. Yeah, it's, it's weird, like, did he fall asleep, or did he knock him out? Like, what happened here? Yeah, I don't, that, it doesn't really, I don't think you would fall asleep. Like as, I mean, I know the sun makes you tired, but still. Your adrenaline's going to be going of, like, you wake up, you're like, oh, shit, I'm still in the hole. Yeah. Um, he sets up a TV, and it shows Rebecca also buried up to her head, and the tide's coming in. And Harry watches, he's like, that's not her. He goes, look at that VCR right there. It's on record, not play. Uh, and... Leslie Nielsen has to have this huge thing because this is the 1980s. So he has this like huge wire contraption going to a satellite dish with a VCR and this like one of the giant butt televisions. Like he has all of this equipment to just show like, oh yeah, look, the lady who likes like drowning. Dude, those things were heavy too. One killed Stu and Scream. Why yeah. is this old man dragging him around? Exactly. He's going to watch her die as he's there. Uh, Richard leaves, the tide shorts out the TV as he sees Rebecca dying, and now it's getting hairy, and it's just Richard back home watching both of them on the camera, chuckling to himself in his robe, having a drink. He's just having a great time. Yeah, the water overtakes Harry, and he's holding his breath, and then he starts glowing? Yeah, all of a sudden, uh, he's inside of a fish tank, it looks like. Yeah, but like... I'm like, okay, why? No reason. All right, fine by me. It's almost like he's just so mad, because I think it's like red glowing behind him. It's like, I'm just yeah. so mad. <laughs> <laughs> the next morning, Richard goes out to clean up all of his adventures, and there's no Harry. And you can tell he's trying to talk himself out of being worried. He's looking like, uh, the t current must have pulled him out. But the thing is, there was a bucket that was turned upside down, which is much lighter than Harry, I'm assuming, that was still on the beach that came out with the tides, and it didn't pull that out. Yeah, and the entire time he's almost trying to whistle to himself of like, everything's fine, do-do-do-do-do. It's just like, trying yeah. to convince himself. No, I'm fine. That night he's watching TV again, and he hears a voice say his name, jumps up all panicky, and he gets in the shower, he hears the noise, he gets out, 
and we see little bits that we never get the full-on reveal of what I've dubbed Soggy Harry and Rebecca. Yeah, it's almost like the fog, like John Carpenter's The Fog, of like the mist comes in and like opens the doors and stuff. Yeah, it looks really cool. I like the effect of both of them. Yeah. Richard gets his gun, and he's like, you can't kill us, Richard. We're already dead. We dug a hole for you, Richard. <laughs> I also I like that their their voices are almost like they're still underwater. Yeah, it's real blubby. I love what <laughs> I forgot to mention that when Richard was talking earlier about the drugs. Like, oh, now they're all blub blub blub. <laughs> yes, <laughs> he's like making fun of him, trying to make himself feel better. Yeah. <laughs> he shoots them, there's no effect. He runs away and locks the door to the room he's in, but they appear right behind him, these tricky sea monster ghosts. Yeah, they get shot in, like, the forehead, and there's not, like, red blood that comes out. It's, like, green and blue, almost. It's really cool looking. Yeah. It got some top-notch Savini going on here. Oh, he's having a great time on this movie, you can tell. Yeah. Uh, the next one has some of my best stuff he does. But it shows him... Buried up to his neck in sand as the tide comes in, and the end of something to tide you over. He th- he's like, I can hold my breath for a long, long time! And I love, like, it freeze frames on him because the tide, like, hits his face. He gets this really, like, worried look in his eyes, and that's when it animates to, like, the worried cartoon him. Yeah. The transitions do look cool. Is it fair to count him as dead? Oh, I, I would, would say, say so, that. yeah. Okay, I just wanted to check. Alright, so our next one is my favorite, and it is the crate. Yes, I love Fluffy. Yeah, so the crate, if you don't know, you've, this is the one you've probably seen scenes of, if anything. So it's the one with the big Yeti in a box and a very mean, uh, Brando, what's your name? Oh, Adrian Barbeau. Yeah, that's what I, was, I said, Brando. I couldn't yeah, it. I was like, Brando? Yeah, I'm like, Brandon, no. Yeah, her. Yeah, no, yeah. We get her, the monsters, everything. This is the one people remember. Throughout the entire time of the segment, I kept thinking, Wilma! From the Flintstones. (laughs) But call her Billy, everyone does. It's like, I don't want to call you Billy, like... (laughs) (laughs) The janitor finds an old crate under some stairs, and... That's how it starts. And then we can see a bunch of professors at some outdoor function. I'd say barbecue, but I've seen no food. It seems like they're all just drinking in the sun. Yeah, in their in their suits. Yeah, this seems extremely uncomfortable. And, and then Adrian Barbeau shows up wasted immediately. Oh, she's the best. She's just a crass drunk woman the entire time, and I love her. Just making fun of her husband the whole time of like, you wouldn't know what to do without me. Give me a drink. She's the one that later mixes whiskey and milk. Yeah, that's right. That's the other one. It Also, she's just the worst wife, though, in the world, too. She's just an asshole the entire time, constantly berating this poor man. Yeah, it's definitely a thing of like, she's the dominant one in the relationship (laughs) oh for sure but the one professor stanley gets a call from the janitor about the crate he hurries up and gets there and the crate says it's from the 1834 arctic expeditions who knows how long it's been down there which you see that and it's like holy shit where they're even like oh it's probably just gonna be a bunch of rocks and old plants that turn into dust as soon as we open it yeah which you would think but um, as he's on his way, Henry, who is Billy slash Wilma's husband and Professor Stanley's like best friend, has enough, keeps hearing her go on and on. So he reaches down, grabs his pistol and shoots her right in the head, 
falls over dead, and everyone claps. Yeah, I love everyone claps, and he keeps having these fantasies of just killing her in different ways. Yeah, he snaps back from the daydream to her just berating him and yelling at him about, I don't even remember. It's like, you can't even fantasize about killing me right. (laughs) (laughs) But Professor Stanley and the Janner take out the crate, and they're all excited. It keeps building up to this, because it keeps cutting away from it every minute, because then Henry fantasizes about killing his wife by choking her to death with his tie. Yeah, and they, it's, they're slowly opening it, where they pry it open, then they nail it, they, like, hammer it back shut, and then, like, pry the old nails out. Yeah. And they get there, and they have it halfway open, and then they hear a noise from the inside. Like, is something alive in there? But neither of them seem to want to admit that. They're like, no, that's ridiculous. Yeah, then the janitor is like, look, emeralds! And just, like, reaches his hand in. Yeah, he reaches his hand in, and his arm's, like, taken and bitten, and he's stuck there. The monster pulls him in, and blood pours out. I'm like, okay, I like this one. Yes. Uh, Professor Stanley, who I thought was Professor Hill from Reanimator for a while watching this. Oh, I could see that, yeah. He runs away freaking out, and he finds a student, Charlie. He's like, hey, you gotta help me, there's a monster downstairs! This poor kid. Oh, and I'm so glad I had the captions on, because this entire time he makes no sense. If you, like, reading the captions, like, okay, you can kind of make out some stuff, but other than that, it's just like, oh my god, there's crate, and he got pointed, there's blood! Dude, did you need the captions for this movie, too? Because I typically don't always watch with them. I definitely needed them for this movie. Something seemed weird with the sound for me. Well, I definitely did with this one because I had my AC on full blast because today, a peek behind the curtain, uh, uh, it's, 90, it's crisp, 90 degrees. Today's a crisp, cool October day, Brett. Oh, I've, trust me, it was in my room. I had a pumpkin candle lit. <laughs> We're not recording this ahead of time. It is still through October right now. Yeah, I, I, God, I'm so glad that it's through October and not 90 degrees out the moment. <laughs> <laughs> But Professor Staley runs away, finds that kid. Kid doesn't believe him, says he'll check it out. He sees the blood and rightfully thinks Professor Stanley killed a man here. Yeah, and the entire time he's like, he's making no sense. This kid is immediately, like, skeptical of him. Well, wouldn't you be? Oh, yeah, it's like, the Yeti did it! Look in the crate! He follows the blood trail to the crate that's back under the stairs now. He grabs a pipe wrench and starts making his way towards it. He's gonna beat whatever's in there, I guess, to death with that. But the monster isn't in the crate, and he kills Charlie from the side, like he's right next to it in the dark, I guess. And we get an awesome bite effect. I think this looks so good. Oh yeah, this is, I love this work by Savini right during this segment as well. And I love the um, behind-the-scenes stuff of Savini talking about Creepshow and making Fluffy. So I just watched his documentary, Smoke and Mirrors, the other night. And about how he always loved, like, the idea of creating monsters. And this is one of the first monsters he got to create from, like, concept to reality. Oh, it looks good. I like it. Yeah. And it it makes so much sense that it became so iconic. Oh, yeah. Like, that's probably, if it's either, it's this and then Stephen King, Hillbilly, that this is, like, probably most known for. And I think just being, like, the comic book anthology in general. Yeah. But Professor Stanley freaks out, runs away again, and he goes to Henry's house, who was Billy slash Wilma's husband. Yeah, because at this point, Wilma has left, because she's like, oh, all you and your science friends are going to play chess. That's boring. I'm going to go drink more. (laughs) You're so embarrassing. Your dick's also small. 
Because <laughs> like, <laughs> it's such like an over the top villain. Because she actually does start going into like you never satisfied me in bed and all this other shit too. Yeah, definitely. Especially like the final freak out. She yeah. Does. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I love when Professor Stanley gets there and he's hysterical and Henry just keeps feeding him whiskey to get him to talk. Oh yeah, because he immediately chugs the first one. And it's like almost, it's like Mr. Leahy from Charler Park Boys. Because even the guy makes a comment of like, wow, I've only people seen people drink like that in the movies. And he immediately gives him another one. He like downs that one. Once he finally gets the story out, a light bulb goes off in Henry's head and he has a plan. So he drugs Professor Stanley and leaves this note for his wife, and then goes to the school himself. Yeah, because he's, like, putting, like, some kind of, like, pill in his, like, whiskey. It's like, oh, you want one more? And he's like, no, I probably shouldn't. I'm surprised I'm not already, like, all out on my ass. It's like, no, you should have one more triple whiskey. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) He sees all the blood and retrieves the flashlight and... A huge toilet brush for some reason? Is that what this thing is? That it looks like something like that of it's like the most like germaphobe janitor in the world of he likes to be a few feet away from the toilet while he's cleaning it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't I guess he's gonna scrub the monster to death if it attacks it. If it attacks him, but he starts cleaning up all the blood for some reason. That's Rrr. his main goal. <laughs> oh no, I don't like being clean. <laughs> I'm thinking he wants to, like, protect Professor Stanley's innocence or something, what he's doing here. Like, he thinks he actually committed the murder. Right. And But the entire time, I also know that there's that great scene of Adrian Barbo screaming. So I'm like, is his big plan, he's not going to kill his wife himself. He's going to, like, lure her into the school, like, to go under the stairs, to, like, look inside the box and have the monster do it. That's exactly what he's going to do. <laughs> because... The note he left at home is, like, really, like, she wants to hear this gossip. She's like, honey, I had to go to the school. Stanley was here, and he was hysterical. He's gotten himself into some trouble with a younger student. He can't help himself around those girls. You should come to the school and help me out. And she's like, oh, I'm getting all this dirt on everybody. Yeah, and this is where she's reading the note, and then she gets out the milk, and she pours a giant glass of milk. And if you go put some chocolate in there, I'm all for it. Because I had several once a while with a nice cup of chocolate milk right before bed. It's like, okay, that sits on your stomach. That's nice. Then she starts pouring whiskey into the milk. And I'm like, what the fuck is that? Right after coming back from drinking where she drove home, now she pours herself another drink before she drives to the school. Yeah. And it's the worst drink I could think of. Like, that's a horrible combination. Oh, yeah. (laughs) But... She gets there, and he goes, Well, it's just easier if you see for yourself, Wilma. The girl's crawled under the stairs, and she won't come out. So she starts like, okay. She's starting to get real creeped out. She gets to the stairs, and Henry just pushes her up to the crate and yells like, Dinner time! Come get her! He starts like making all this noise, (laughs) and nothing happens. And I love the like anticlimaticness of it all, like after he just did this. And she just goes the fuck off. Oh, is this your idea? Some kind of joke. And she just rips into this man like she's going to verbally murder him. Yeah, because he also at this point, it's right back to like, oh, no, like I did bad. I'm being yelled at again. Like, I can't do anything right. I can't even get the monster to eat my wife. (laughs) Yeah. When was the last time you got it up, Henry? Huh? (laughs) And then as she's in mid freak out. The monster does pop out and get her. 
Then after dragging her into the crate, Henry quickly locks the crate up and everything, loads it into his car, and then dumps the crate at the bottom of the quarry. Right, it, it sank 70 feet to the bottom. Yep, next morning, Henry and Professor Stanley both agree to say nothing as they sit down to play some chess. <laughs> no, it's so good. Of They're like, nothing happened. And the other one's like, yeah, you're right, nothing did happen. It's like, yep, everything's fine. It's like, what they say? Yeah. there's not going to be any bodies. And the, but it is also the thing of, of, what if it gets out of the crate? It's like, oh, it won't get out of the crate. It's like, well, it did just spend over a hundred years inside the crate, so we have no idea what this thing can do. Well, you'd think if the crate kept it there for a hundred years, lock the crate back up, you should be fine. Yeah, just nail the crate back shut and put it back under the stairs. Yeah, it sat there for over a hundred years, put it back. Or why are you getting rid of the crate monster? Like, be like, oh no, look what I found! The monster did it! Yeah, exactly. If anything, you're going to be under more investigation now than if you turn into my wife got eaten by the crate monster and showed them the crate monster. Yeah. Like, oh, very believable. Th yes. They're not going to know that you led her there and whatnot. Get rid of the note yeah. and you're probably good. If anything, they're under more scrutiny now. Exactly. It's a, what was there is another movie where they, like, for no reason at all kept covering up the murders and, like, not telling the police about it. And it's like, you're going to be suspect number one. Oh, it was one of the Italian horrors we did. I yeah. think it was opera Maybe. or something. Yeah, exactly. Know. But then we cut to the monster breaking out of the crate underwater and the end. Right. Which, now seeing this movie again, because I wanted to watch it um, before we went to our con... And then I was like, no, 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 I'm, I know we're just about to do it, and I'll wait. And now I wish I would have, because they had the George A. Romero Foundation t-shirts, and one of them was the fluffy eyes sticking out of, like, the crate, and now I want that. Oh, I got a Creepshow sticker from that table. It's on my t uh, sticker table right now. I have uh, George Romero's uh, glasses. <laughs> nice. But, yeah, that's the end of that one. Now it's they're creeping up on you. This is the most bizarre one, I think. Yeah, and it's also one that just creeps me out. I don't know, it's hard to say which one, but I hate bugs and I hate body horror, and this one has both. Yeah, uh, the bug... Dude, bug horror never really gets me. You know, I'm never bothered by it. This one's at least the closest, though. I'm like, this one, like, you're generally unnerved while watching it. I'm like, ugh, oh, that's nasty. That just reminded me, speaking of bugs, you know, one of my favorite things to do, Greg, is when I see maggots, I go, is that maggots or is that superworms? Uh, yes. During the Father's Day segment, when Dad comes out of the grave and he's covered in maggots, they're superworms. Uh, I figured. And I'm like, oh, I feed those to my lizard. I have a jar of those, like, downstairs. <laughs> <laughs> But we have this man in a bizarre white room with a jukebox. And he goes, damn bugs. The jukebox is the only thing with color in this house, this whole building. Yeah, he's like, if I remember right, he's a germaphobe. And that kind of, I guess, lends to the thing of his entire apartment is white. Because that it's, if you think about it, everything's going to show up on a white room or on a white floor. So you know exactly where to clean. Yeah. So he could see every little bit of dirt or bugs that would ever be in there. Yeah, and he's, like, the worst, like, kind of bugs of, like, okay, ants suck, but I think cockroaches are probably worse of, like, ew. Oh, definitely. 
And the computer makes a noise, and it's a business call. Is this slightly futuristic or no? I can't tell. Oh, yeah. It's like he has, for some reason, 50 different, like, versions of phones. Of Some of them are computers. And the, some of them are, like, inter... Excuse me. Intercoms, you know. Yeah. But the one goes off, and it's a business call. And he sees a cockroach go into the jukebox, and he ends his call immediately about some corporate takeover they're doing or something. Um, the caller comes back on and says that a business partner shot himself an hour ago. Then his next call, I'm just going to jump through the calls if you don't mind, because there's just a lot of that as he's swatting at cockroaches occasionally. Um, He gets a call from the man's widow and you killed him. You sick son of a bitch. Everything you did. How did you get my private number? I found it in his book. Oh, well, I guess I can't yell at him for that, can I? Ha ha ha. This is just showing he's the worst human being. Yeah, I love to. It is. He's like, um, uh, let me know whoever gave you my number so I know who to fire. It's like, it was in my husband's address book. It's like, well, I guess I can't fire him now, can I? Yeah. And like, How, what makes you think I had anything to do with it? The only words he could say before he shot himself was your name. And he, like, gets, like, a huge kick out of that. Yeah, it doesn't affect him in the slightest, but he's just a cold monster. And then he makes his nasty coffee mush. What is this? Uh, yeah, it's weird. It's some kind of slop food for a guy who's a germaphobe that looks disgusting and like pig slop? Yeah. Or is it like, uh, he's eating his own shit? He's like, well, because since it's my shit, it's clean! (laughs) (laughs) He gets a call from one of his employees, Reynolds, who's on vacation. Because he said, I want him to call me within the hour. And he's making him get exterminators for him right now. He's like... Sir, I'm on vacation with my family at Disney World. Well, you better get me one, or next year you could take your family to Disney World with your unemployment check. Yeah, it's so, like, and it's more leading just to such how a piece of shit the guy is. It's like, this guy's on vacation at Disney World, which is, like, extremely expensive. And it's like, okay, get off of the teacups. I need you to call an exterminator. (laughs) Like, like... It's a good thing that real CEOs aren't like this, isn't it? It's great that we live in a world that they're all really human and understanding. Oh, yeah, that there's no one like this. <laughs> it's like, he's trying to call exterminators. It's like, do I hear the Small World theme song in the background? He's like, yeah, I'm stuck at the Small World section. Today keeps getting worse. <laughs> <laughs> but he finds a bug in his nasty food he's made and freaks out, and there's roaches crawling all over the counter. And then... There's a buzz at the door. It's Mr. White, who I guess is the apartment manager. And he's like, oh, what's going on? Do we got bugs again, do we? Like, this is a regular occurrence for this man. And he's like, oh, here we go again, this guy. Yeah, he's so he starts talking down to him. And then, to make the matters even worse, he adds racism on top of everything. Oh, yeah. He says the line, like, exterminators are great in people in your line of work. Black people or something like that. Like, yeah, it just... You know, they want zero sympathy for this man, and they try to give us every excuse to not have any for him. Exactly. There's just a ton of roaches on the floor. All the power goes out, and he turns on the emergency power, and he calls police about the bugs. (laughs) Is this a common thing, or is this just a him thing in this futuristic scenario? Well, yeah, I don't... Is he just, like, so rich and powerful that they almost roll their eyes, but they have to go do it? Because he even sees, like, there's a blackout going on, and, like... Apartment building's getting closer and closer to him. All the lights are going out, and he's like, my apartment building's lights better not go out. It's like, why do you think yours is special? (laughs) 
But they're like, yeah, we gotta deal with this blackout first. Everyone's got bugs. He calls Mr. White again, like, on the intercom, but he's stuck in the elevator. And he goes into the other room, and he's freaking out, because bugs are coming everywhere at this point. Like, this is the point where I think, oh, this is the most we're gonna see, because they're legitimately, like, a wave of bugs. You oh, know what I mean? they're pouring out of the vents. They're coming out of everywhere. Yeah, like, the little uh, sink drain thing, like, pushes up because all these roaches come crawling out of it. Then you see the sink, and then the entire sink is full of roaches. Like, immediately. (laughs) He gets a call from the widow when he locks himself in the other room, and it ends with, I hope you die. He turns around, he sees something moving in the bed, pulls the sheet off, and it's a whole bed of roaches. And this is practical, and this is terrifying. Yeah, I cannot be like imagine being that actor, being like, "What do you want me to do?" No. <laughs> <laughs> the power comes back on, and then we see all these roaches crawling out of Dead Pratt. That was his name, and like they're coming out of his head, out of his mouth, everything, just like chest bursting their way out. They literally like it. The, you see his skin moving on his chest, and bugs burst out of his chest. <laughs> oh yeah, it's just. Gross and bizarre and pretty well done. And then, that's the end of that one, and we cut back to our overall story from the beginning. Right, and we, I believe we see the garbage men. They're, like, going around. Yes, They're like, I love one garbage man, like, kicks the garbage can lid off, the other one catches it, and then they toss the garbage bag over. They have a whole great system. And then he starts getting closer oh, yeah. and closer, and I'm like, I recognize that mustache. And you see Tom Savini as one of the garbage men. <laughs> yes, we do. Um... And I love, because you think it's just a nothing thing, because the dad threw the comics out, they're flipping through, what you got there? Comic book, they're looking at the ads in it, like, oh, someone cut this one out already, it was a send away for your own voodoo doll. And it seems like such a nothing thing, like, really well done for it to come back into play in just a minute. Right. And it's like, yeah, dad's downstairs, he's having his, like, good old family mid-80s breakfast, where he's the head of the household and the wife made the breakfast. Where are the children? I need to yell today. Yeah, he just starts yelling. The wife's like, take it easy on him, because the last, like, no, Billy! <laughs> and then he grabs his chest, Tom Atkins, like he's in pain. Something real bad happened. And we cut up to Billy stabbing the voodoo doll a bunch and kills the dad. Yeah. Like, this will teach you to throw away my comics. Because he keeps coughing, and then it cuts to the sun, yeah, and he's stabbing the voodoo doll in, like, the neck, like, 50 times. And then it literally is, like, how dare you throw away my dollar comic, Dad? Now you will die! <laughs> then the creeper laughs and credits, and that's creep show. Fucking a. <laughs> uh, fun time. So, so what was? Uh, let's jump into this a little bit. If you could turn one into a full feature, what would you do? Uh, I have mine. Probably the crate. Yeah, me too. It's definitely the crate. I think that I like the like uh, the lonesome death of Jordy is really good. Father's Day is really good. Even the bug one I enjoy. The middle one with. Uh, the watershed. I'm like, that one's my least favorite, I would say. But yeah, I think sense. the crate, you could easily stretch that into an 80 minute thing because we've seen movies kind of like this before. Oh, yeah. You know, the big like climax is it finally full on breaking out of the crate, chasing some people through a house. You know, you see yeah, the monster for itself. the last 10 minutes of the movie. <laughs> yeah. So I think so. That's my favorite. Is that your favorite as well, or do you have one that you like more? My favorite is The Lonesome Death of Jordy. And you can't complain about that. That's a really fun one. Just seeing Stephen King and that doctor's interactions are great. 
it's Stephen King's overacting and it just makes sense for the story and it fits in so well. It's hilarious. I love it so much. Oh yeah. Well, you got those. Would you say the crate is your favorite? Yeah. The crate was my answer to both of those. It's the one that I think would work best as a full length. And it's my favorite. That's... Um, probably Jordy's probably my second one or father's day. I like both of those ones a lot. Yeah. And something to tide you over is my least. Yeah, that's my bottom, and right above it is the last one, the yeah. bug one. I like it a lot. That's really gross, but other than that, not too much to it. But and none of these are bad, I should say. They're all really well done, but just as the overall goes in ranking them, because there's always like a couple like not as good ones in these anthology movies and whatnot. Yeah, but as far as that even goes, it's not like in body bags. Like the hair one is like really weird. It's like kind of okay but it's just really odd in most of the parts and you're like okay who gives a shit about your hair that much at least it's not that bad and <laughs> i find myself thinking back to body bags and the one i laugh the most about is the hair one yeah <laughs> stop acting like the baby i have the hair of a baby <laughs> <laughs> all right let's get into count of the dead yes yeah, so let's get into the count of the dead ah 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 all right count of the dead's where we tally up all the deaths in the movie where do you think we're at with creep show Oh, uh, let me see. Well, like, Dad dies in the in the beginning. Aunt Bedelia, the guy. Um, yeah, but yeah, Bedelia. You're right. I, why do I keep calling her Belinda? Is that even a name? I don't. Oh yeah, Belinda's a name. Okay, that's like an older name. Uh, oh, both of them are. Then Ted Danson, that girl, and then Leslie Nielsen. I'm gonna say eleven because if I I don't want to just keep counting all of them because that's boring. Eleven. All right. <laughs> We hit 15. Oh, nice. Yeah, so 15, very nice for how many segments we get in here and how much time we have with it. So, yeah, not bad. Yeah, not bad at all. Well, every week, Greg does his count of the dead. Ah, ah, ah. And I do my ratings from Dimension Z. Um, so, basically, I take something from the movie and rate the movie 1 through 10, 1 being the worst and 10 being the best. And I don't come up with sense. that thing until right now. And I'm trying to think, for this one, I almost want to go, like, creatures, like monsters, like, you know, 80s monsters of, uh, almost like a Fluffy in this. Okay. So, a number one monster from the 80s, I'm going to go, like, the Hobgoblins, which are, like, you got the Gremlins, and then you got Critters, I would say, are number one and number two. Okay. And then... I agree with that, yeah. Um, then, uh... Crap, what's the, um, uh, the ghoulies, I would say, would be under that. And then you got the hobgoblins, which is literally, like, a puppet or, like, a stuffed animal that doesn't articulate or move its face whatsoever. And they put it okay. on an ATV, and it's supposed to be riding around and making jokes, but it never moves. Oh, that's great. Yeah. And its special power is, um, it... Tell us what your like most favorite fantasy is. It puts you in that, and then it kills you. That could actually be fun. It's really see. weird. I'm going to say then a number 10 80s creature, like the best of the best when you think of the 80s. I'm going to go Gremlins. Yeah, I, I'd say so. Yeah. Gremlins rule. Between Gremlins and Critters, but I would... Gremlins are just a little bit above, I would say, Critters in their popularity and just overall 
Oh, yeah. I don't think anyone's going to argue that too much. Um, and as far as anthologies go, Creepshow's really good. I'm going to probably give it eight 80s horror movie creatures, 80s creature things out of ten. Okay, yeah, good score. I went seven creatures. Okay. So, yeah, I like it. I don't love it. I don't revisit it often. It'll probably be a good while until I do again, but I don't have a bad time watching it. Yeah, and it's definitely, like, it's basically exactly two hours long, so that hurts it a little bit of, at towards the end, you start to feel the time, and you're like, okay. Then you get to the bug guy, and you're like, oh, Jesus, there's another one. (laughs) I think it's right the beginning of the bug guy, and no offense against that bit, but that's right where I'm like, I feel like this should be over here. Yeah, and a lot of times these movies seem to like to do three. So the fact that they went five. Yeah, it feels like, and not even like, oh, that that story should have been cut. Just time-wise, I feel like that's the ending spot for some reason. That's where my brain at least was like, why isn't it done? Exactly. Yeah, but yeah, Creepshow is definitely fun. Uh, If you're in the Pittsburgh area, you can go check out the house from the beginning and the end. It is occupied, so don't be a dick, but they're really nice about it. They have like a book that people sign you take pictures of it and they have a poster out there that you can hold up in front of the creep show house so if you're ever in like the pittsburgh monroeville area make sure you check it out yeah like they'll put the pumpkin in the front window and like you can see the creep like in the top window up there that they put in yeah they're actually like i like that they embrace it it's not like the people that owed the walter white breaking bad house of anywhere gets anywhere near that house and they're out there like you motherfuckers get away from our house Dude, those people are insane. The Bert oh, Walter White house people. It's hilarious. I saw an interview, like a quick thing on YouTube as well, with the Creep Show house people. And they didn't know it was the Creep Show house until the day they settled. And the guy that they bought it off of was like, Have you seen the movie? And they're like, No. And so he gives them a copy of the movie and they watched it. And they asked the wife, like, Oh, what did you think about it? She's like, Oh, you know, it's pretty good. Can be very cheesy at points. <laughs> Yeah, I can't argue with that. Yeah, but they're like their tradition is every day on like the anniversary of the day they close their house, they watch Creep Show. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. All right. Well, I guess stop back tomorrow or very soon. We'll have another one up for you since it's through October. Exactly. We're hoping that you're having a great October, and this is a great one because it knocked out a few people. We got Romero, King, Savini. You know, Creep Show is a very this time of year movie, I would say. Yeah, it's very encompassing of a lot of the things you want to see. Exactly. Well, until we uh, see what we have next episode for Throbtober, we hope that Creep shows up your brain throbbing with horror. Ah, it seems you've survived another fright. Be sure to look for the Throbbing with Horror pumpkin on all of your favorite social medias and local newspaper headlines. Rate us five stars on your favorite podcast platform, or else. Subscribe for more tantalizing terror, and be ready for the new fear next week, if you dare.